Welcome to the Possum University Podcast. I'm your host, Jamie Caponetta. Say hi, John. Hi, dog friends. Hope everyone's doing well. For those of you that don't know, we may have made a terrible mistake uh, the beginning of this week. <laughs> Cutest mistake I've ever made. Yeah, well, why don't you tell them what we did? Well, this past weekend, we were honored to take on a Monmouth County SPCA transport to South Carolina. We brought home 21 dogs, and our newly adopted puppy was one of the 21. For those of you that want to see her, we're going to post her on at Possum University and at Possum Walks NJ on Instagram. Uh, you can see how cute she is. Uh, she's really cool. She's a Catahoula yes, leopard I believe dog that is what it's called. Mix. Uh, she's blind. Well, so is, we think. Yeah. She's blind, so she's really special. Uh, we're hoping that we're, you know, between the two of us, we'll be equipped enough to handle her and housebreak her and teach her everything she needs to learn. Housebreaking is pretty tough because most of the time when you have a puppy, you look for them sniffing the ground and you're like, oh, they got to go out, pick she, them up. She sniffs everything. Because she's blind. Yeah, everything. So it's, <laughs> she, it seems like she needs to pee all the time. <laughs> it's very stressful. And then when it doesn't look like she's got to pee, she pees on the ground. So <laughs> She's tricky. So uh, about, what, almost two weeks ago now, mm -hmm. you had asked everybody in the Boston University group if they had any questions for you. So yes, I did. Today, we're going to answer those questions. Let me hear we'll them. We'll see how good of a trainer you are. <laughs> so, okay. we'll start with Nicole Newcomb, who obviously works with you with Possum Walks. Mm -hmm. She's asking how she can get B to stop being so food or toy aggressive with other dogs. Crying face. This is a, this is a tough one because this is a multi-layered issue. Um, B is not too old. He is can still considered a puppy in my eyes. He is a rescue. So what happened to him when he was a puppy before Nikki adopted him is unknown. For whatever reason, whether it's DNA related, learned behavior, it could be insecurities. He is starting to, well, not starting to, he is full-blown guarding. So you're familiar with this issue? Yes. Yes. This, this happens quite often, especially a house that has more than one pet in it. Usually that one pet that has the insecurity or that resource guarding trigger will start to do it in their teenage years, whether they weren't doing it when they were a puppy, but once they hit a little before a year, a little bit after a year, that's usually when it starts to manifest. This can be solved if it is caught quickly. And I'm not saying it can't be solved if it's not caught quickly, but it's much easier if you catch it quickly. If you finally say, we got something going on, let's get a trainer. When you wait it out and thinking that it's just going to go away, you're setting yourself up to fail because it will not. It is a learned behavior. It is impulsive. They cannot stop themselves. They see red. They, they guard from their siblings. They guard from their parents. They are guarding. They are seeing red. They are no, no longer themselves and you are no longer you. So we need to take a lot of precious care with this because it can get very dangerous. If a dog is guarding, growling, they're telling you, I'm uncomfortable. But if you push them, that can be very dangerous for both because you don't want to get bit. You don't want your other dog, your other cat, your other pet to get bit. And you don't want to put your dog in that scary situation because they can't help themselves. They have zero self-control in that moment. So if they do bite, 
it's not their personality that's saying, oh my God, I'm going to bite my mom right now. It's more of they think they have no other choice because what they are guarding is the most important thing in the world to them at that moment in time. That's really frustrating. Very frustrating. What could Nicole work on specifically? She's going to have to do a lot of counter conditioning. I'm actually meeting with her this week and we're going to go over it and sit down. And I want to know a lot of information of when it started. What did he start guarding first? What did he do when you tried to take it away? I need to know all these things. It's a lot of information that goes into it. It's not just a one-stop deal. It's definitely multi-layered. We're going to have to make sure that other than when he's gardening, he's a happy, healthy dog. We need to make sure nothing else is going on, especially not medically. Now, when it comes to B and Romeo, his brother, their relationship, what can we improve on that standpoint that he's choosing Romeo um, when it comes to gardening? And why is he choosing those bones? They must be extremely high value to him. How can we make them less high value? Can we trade with him when Rome isn't there? Is it just Rome that sets him off or is it anybody going near his bone? These are all things that we need to figure out. It's it's not, here's your answer, try this and you got that solved. It's very multi-layered and it really depends. Each dog is very different when it comes to guarding. It's a lot of variables. Yes, absolutely. Okay. So good luck, B. I think that if anybody could fix him, it's you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Well, Nikki's a good dog mom, so I'm excited to work with her. She is. Let's see. Maggie McGill. We hope Barley will get better at staying under control when encountering people and dogs she hasn't met before. Any tips for that? Barley is a recent rescue from the SPCA, actually, and she's going to take a little bit to sink into her life. She was surrendered and then she was readopted within two weeks. It's a very stressful situation. She was also living with another dog in the house that she was surrendered from. And now she's not. She lives by herself with her mom and dad. So that's a lot. It's very different. She loves her mom and dad, very attached to them. And she's normally much more friendly to other dogs and strangers when they are with her. We find that when we come to walk her during the day that she's very scared, growling and staying by herself will not move from the spot no matter how many treats you want to give her. This is anxiety and this is for some reason a trigger for her. So we need to work through that. But we do have to remember that she is a brand new rescue. They only got her about two and a half weeks ago. So she needs to settle in. Her nerves need to calm. She needs to realize that she's not going anywhere. This is her routine. And slowly but surely, she will sink in. And and then we will really work on her meeting other dogs and staying under control and meeting new strangers outside when she's on leash as well and acting appropriately. We can't start training until she's more comfortable with her daily life. All right, and she's we're going to get back to a baseline. Absolutely. We're going to give her the time that she needs to settle in. And that's one of the most important things about getting a rescue. Do not push them. Do not invite new people over. Do not check for ticks. Do not clean their ears. Don't do their nails. They need to settle in. And that's a, a big mistake I think people make when they first get or adopt a new dog. It's like you want to do all these things that you would do to any other dog you've had for years, but you really need to put the brakes on. And remember, this is all new for them. Yeah, you need to earn their trust. It's scary. Yeah. For sure. So our sister Nikki says, I wish I could teach him how to make me coffee in the morning. Now, if this is possible, I'm going to be really mad at you (laughs) because we have three dogs now and not a single one knows how to make me coffee. No, no, they are no baristas, that's for sure. Okay. Sorry, Nikki. Yep, no, no luck there. They don't have thumbs. Vanessa Koppel says... 
I wish the boys, Bear and Odin, would walk on leash together without running and pulling. I wish they could go for a walk, not a sprint down the block at breakneck pace, only to be snorting on the verge of collapse five minutes later. <laughs> These are my two favorite bulldogs in the entire world. They're brothers, and they are just so, so funny. What personalities on them? So my advice for Vanessa is to get a front clip harness. Um, this will change your life. It changes the entire walking experience. Dogs have an operative nerve in the back of their necks. And it's basically a reflex that makes them want to grip the ground and pull forward because they're feeling that pressure on the back of their shoulder blades. Is that that freedom reflex? Yes, that is the freedom reflex. Absolutely. And when that's engaged, they want to pull you forward. And it's not something they can control. So you can leash pop them. You can pull them back as much as you want. Not that I train that way. A lot of people, that's what they resort to is to pull back and say no. But that's not helping the dog. That's not letting them understand, okay, I'm not really liking what you're doing right now. It, it just confuses them. Um, the front clip harness actually doesn't engage that nerve at all. So they're just loose leash walking. And if they do get excited and want to pull you forward, maybe they get a scent, they're actually going to get pulled right back towards you rather than pulling you when they grip the ground. It's going to be a completely different experience. So that is that is a huge game changer. I find that most of my dogs that have any leash reactivity, maybe barking at dogs or other strangers, um, when they have the front clip harness on, those reactivities and those behaviors fade away very quickly. So the front clip, that's the easy walk. Yes. Okay. Yes. So it's, it's uh, the brand harness. is Pet Safe, actually. Right. Easy walk harness. Yeah. That's a really good one. Oakley does great on his easy oh, walk. Oh, he loves it. So our good friend Crystal from Foster's Future says, I wish I worked with Morgan and Miles more when greeting people at the door. So we know Crystal knows her dogs, but what's something easy she could work on with them? Greeting people at the door is one of the biggest complaints that I get from a lot of my clients um, because it's embarrassing. Mm. You invite people over and then your dogs are all over them and it basically looks like you have zero control over your pets, right. which is not usually the case. A lot of times dogs really do respect their owners, but some for some reason, people coming in is such a trigger. It just, it releases this overstimulated behavior in them and again, they have zero control when it comes to this. Because unless they practice, it's not going to get fixed overnight. I think that people think, all right, if I ignore this long enough, maybe one day they'll just stop. But let me tell you, spoiler alert, not going to happen. They are not going to wake up one day and say, huh, I think I'm going to behave myself when people come over today. It's not going to happen. They need practice and they need discipline. And they need to know my two favorite commands, look and wait. Mm -hmm. They need to wait at least, I would say, five feet away from the door an appropriate amount for people to come in, take their coat off before getting, you know, bombarded. I like the sit and wait because it gives them a command to do it, gives them something to focus on when that person is coming in. It's giving them a purpose, something to do, rather than to just be flailing around with their arms and their legs jumping and, and mouthy and getting overstimulated. Um, it gives them something to do. Instead of going to 10, they're at it like an even four. On the crazy scale. This is, it's really hard to work on because I'm totally guilty of it when you walk into somebody's house and the dog's jumping all over you and you're like, oh no, it's fine. But like all parties need to be participating Absolutely. in the training. 
Otherwise, you're you're not helping. Yes, it's always those friends that are like, oh no, it's okay, they're fine. I love them. That's me. (laughs) All right, Arlene uh, says that that's Candy. Yes, Candy. So Arlene says Candy is a sweetheart with us and the people she knows, but is anxious around strangers, which she can enjoy people more. Candy, what a girl! She was adopted uh, very recently by Arlene from the Monmouth County SPCA. she definitely had a rough time there. So we're really thankful that Arlene took on this challenge with her because she has just flourished into such a wonderful dog, the dog that we all knew that she could be. Um, Candy has a lot of anxiety with meeting new people. We don't exactly know her past. So again, being nine years old, the past is a question mark. So who knows what someone did to her? And we need to take that into account when we're trying to stay patient with her. And this goes for any dog that is older and we don't know their past and just has a hard time with certain things. Meeting new people is definitely a nerve-wracking thing for her. What I usually tell people is to have the dog in a comfortable place in the house that's away from the front door in the beginning. Um, Arlene uses a baby gate. And basically she has anybody new come in and sit at her kitchen table and they have treats on them. And when she finally lets Candy out after she's relaxed, maybe about five minutes after the person comes in so she can just settle herself, they will have the treats and she'll come over. And if the, if she's willing to take them, she can take them. If not, she just wants to sniff or whatever. But mo- for the most part, it's people just keeping their hands to themselves, not making any sudden movements and um, just letting Candy get settled and come to them. Really, the advice is be a tree. Don't move unless you need to or tell strangers that are you know that want to approach her you know let let them know about her issues absolutely on walks arlene should definitely be saying hey my dog's in training could you stay back a little bit i think one of the biggest things for people when they're out and about and strangers are involved especially neighbors or people at the park we have a hard time speaking up for some reason you don't like with new people we don't want to be rude I don't want to say, you know, hey, back away from my dog. Mm -hmm. So in that moment when it's time sensitive, being able to say, excuse me, please don't come any closer. Sometimes we get nervous and we wind up not saying anything. That is the biggest piece of advice I can tell Arlene is to have confidence. And if you come off rude, it's okay. Because candy safety is paramount. And who cares what Karen down the street thinks anyway? Exactly. Yeah. Sorry, Karen, but candy first. <laughs> oh, Karen. So our friend Robin says, I wish Star and Ben would walk nicely on leash together so I could walk them both at once. Oh, this one's a good one. This information I actually know because of you. Hey. <laughs> um, was it my birthday that you bought me the coupler? Yeah, it was. It was my birthday. I thought so. Um, for my birthday, John bought me a coupler. That is what it's called. It is basically... Well, it's not just any coupler. It was pretty nice. It was a beautiful coupler. It was, it was... custom stitched by <laughs> Canine Tactical yes, over it in was. California, I believe. Yes, and really nice colors that match my brand, and I absolutely love it. I use it all the time. Um, with dogs that walk together, that happen to pull all over the place, either one's fast, one's slow, or just both are fast. And you're outnumbered. Um, The coupler is great because it basically attaches to both 
collars of the dog or both harnesses of the dogs. Then it comes to one ring that you then take your leash and attach to that. So when they pull each other, that's exactly what they're doing. They're not pulling you because your leash is in the middle. And when they both tug, they both go in separate directions, but one can't move and the other one can't move rather than you being the one they're tugging. So the energy and the force is going to each other rather than to you. Um, I use the coupler all the time for double duty and it really, really helps. So Robin, pick yourself up a coupler for sure. Yeah, maybe we could even try it next time we're walking them. Oh, oh yeah, I could definitely let her borrow yeah, mine. Definitely. I think that uh I think Ben would be very confused. <laughs> yes, but, but Star will lead the way. Yeah, as usual. Uh, so I think I know where this one's gonna go. Okay. Amanda says, I would like Ferrello to eventually be able to walk off leash. Mm. Big no no. Big no no. You're asking the wrong girl. Yeah. I'm not a fan of dogs being off leash. I don't think it's necessary. If you're at the beach and it's a dog-friendly beach and your dog is dog-friendly, that's one thing. Even dog parks, if that's something that you're interested in, do I love them? No, because you don't know everybody and you don't know if every dog is is dog-friendly. So off-leash on sidewalks, it's not necessary. The risk that you're taking when doing that is so much higher and greater than the pride you are going to get from your dog being off-leash. Okay, so let's picture it this way. Let me put it into perspective for everybody. Let's say you're walking down the street with your dog and they're really good off leash and they listen to you. They do. Let's say all of a sudden it starts to thunder and lightning. Loud. Out of nowhere. Scares the bejesus out of your dog. They dart into the street because they don't know what to do. They're scared. And then a car comes out of nowhere. What happens then? Or same scenario, you're walking down the street, dog's off leash, your dog listens to you. The dog down the street that is not dog friendly got out the backyard and is headed right for you. Your dog's not going to know what to do. There are so many instances where your dog being off leash seems like a good one, but I guarantee you it's not worth the risk. It's a safety tool. Absolutely. That's all it is. And yeah, does it feel good to know that your dog can listen to you and obey you while not being attached to you. Yeah, that feels great. That feels awesome. I know the feeling, but is it worth the alternative? Those what ifs, those things that you never think are going to happen, but then they do. So my philosophy will for now and always be no off leash. It's not worth it. Well, now I'm upset. I'm sorry. Depressed everybody. I'm sorry, but it's, it's so important and I want everybody to know it. You need to put your dog first. It's not about you feeling good about having your dog off leash. It's your dog comes first and that's how it should be. And they'll appreciate it. And I don't think they necessarily have a better time off leash. Um, I think it's kind of crazy for them. Makes them nervous. Yeah. If that's all they know is being on leash. And if you're walking them with the proper hardware where they're not pulling like crazy, you know, then there's. There's no additional benefit of being off-leash. Well, there's also so many alternatives. What about a long line? Right. Long lines are awesome. I suggest them to my clients all the time. You still have that handle on your dog, but they have a little bit more freedom. They can stretch their legs a little more. They go up to like 50 feet, I think. Yeah. Usually it's the 15 and the 25 are usually what people go for. But the 50, I mean, if you don't have a fenced-in backyard, I totally get it. Fences are really expensive. 
if you get a long line, that your dog can really enjoy itself and not get tangled around trees and, and tables and stuff like that, that's great. It's a great tool to use because they get a little bit more freedom. You don't have to worry about, you know, running inside real quick to grab your phone or if there's an emergency. Like you can just run inside and not be worried that your dog's going to run off. You know, there's a little bit of security with that. So there are, are alternatives. So Ann Paxia says, I want Hunter to stop jumping on people when he sees them. Oh, Hunter's a crazy boy. He is a Basset Hound Black Lab mix. He's pretty cool looking. <laughs> I've seen him posted on Possum Moss. He's very funny. Um, yes, Hunter is a jumper. I think it has a lot to do with his mix in breeds, but he definitely has that overstimulated personality when he gets excited. Um but this comes from him needing more commands. He needs to be learning basic training, which will calm him down in those moments. It's not necessarily, all right, let's come up with a command that's going to help him stop jumping. It's all those other smaller commands that are going to be used to kind of wean off that type of behavior. Like again, like the sit and wait. Right. That helps them control themselves, not go to 10, but stay at like an even four and be able to listen to you. And do what you need them to do in that moment so they act appropriately. But if there is no basic knowledge for that dog, if that doorbell rings and you can't say anything to control your dog, they can't be expected to do anything else than what they normally do. There will be no change until we put a a, a spin on it. We have to change the behavior by giving them something else to do. So my advice to Anne is to get a little bit more basic training going with Hunter, um, do some look, sit, wait. Um, I like a little bit of touch, which is them coming to you. It's a different form of come. Um, it's, it's another recall tool that you can use. Um, these are all really good things for him to do rather than jumping and being so overstimulated about those guests. Okay. Carolyn Ellison says, I wish I could tell Dana that it's okay to bark when someone is at the door or she hears something, but when I tell her to stop, she should stop. So this is a tricky one. Especially for a howl dog. Especially for a howl dog. You're basically asking for the impossible. For our listeners that do not know what a howl dog is, um, our Pudge, she was rescued from a hoarding case in Howell, New Jersey back in June 2016. She was only three weeks old when we found her, but all of her relatives were probably anywhere between six months and seven years, seven years, years, I would say. Um, This was a pretty bad hoarding case. It was 200 and... 276 were removed, Um, 30-something were pregnant, so the final number was well over 300 dogs. Yes, yes. I think it was in the 330s. Yeah. these dogs, because of their the size of them, they were not socialized. There were only two people living in the house with them. They can't possibly touch and pet and love all 200 plus of them. So when you say the size of them, you're referring to the population? Yes, the okay. population of them. How many dogs there were at one time. Right. Two people can't possibly show the amount of affection that each dog needs in that, in that kind of setting. So these dogs basically came out of this house without any 
proper etiquette on how life works. Or any exposure to humans at all. No, none. Or outside. They were never outside. Yeah. They didn't know what outside was. Um, it was a very, very sad situation. But Dana is one of them. She's one of the survivors. Um, she's awesome. She's come such a long way. She's a sweetheart. She's still skittish. Not too keen on people touching her that she doesn't know really well. I think only her really close family can do so. I actually house sat for them when they went on vacation and she let me pet her a few times. But even that was a lot for her. So for her, it's it's definitely difficult to tell her, okay, it's okay to bark right now. But then listen to mom because there's so much added anxiety for her. It's not the same as any other regular dog that was adopted at, as a young age. She went through something extremely traumatic. So that's going to be a really hard thing for her to do um, because of that anxiety, whether, you know, you're going to get her to not really bark at all and trust you and know that no matter what stranger or person knocks on the front door, or the doorbell, what have you, that mom has it. Mom's Mom's got it under control. I don't need to worry, but you can't go back and forth with her. That would be way too confusing for her. Yeah, and we had Michelle Conti was asking uh, about greeting guests without jumping on them. We covered that when we answered Anne's question about Hunter. Yes. And I think I missed one. Alni Kunha says, I wish Peanut can learn the difference between toilet paper and money. <laughs> and there's a picture that's just really hard to look at. Um, a torn. It's $25. $20, yeah, $25 for sure. Yeah, so Ooh. I actually was with Alani this past week. We uh we were training Peanut, and I asked her what happened with the money. And Alani actually grooms dogs from home. She has a grooming uh set up downstairs in her basement, and she finds that when these dogs are over, he's super friendly with other dogs. But a lot of dogs, if you have a dog that needs to be groomed. Um, nails trimmed, uh, buzzers for, you know, cutting the hair. It's not their favorite thing in the world. So they do get really stressed out and they cry or whimper or kind of scream a little bit, even though they're not really in pain. Um, this stresses Peanut out so much. So she has noticed that when she has a particular dog over that is more difficult when it comes to grooming, that is when six-month-old Peanut will go and kind of tear some stuff up. Unfortunately, that day, he happened to find her wallet. Mm. So RIP to the $25. Um, I gave her some tips on how to eliminate him feeling so stressed out when that happens, which is using enrichment to help out. And I also told her to look into some CBD oil for him that's going to come down a little bit before dogs come over it's a it's a great alternative to other medication that's a whole nother podcast episode. yes it is stay tuned for a cbd episode in the near future okay that's it so we're coming up on 30 minutes for this podcast and over the last 30 minutes opal has pooped on the floor stepped in it <laughs> got a bath and was put to bed and we still got a podcast on that's pretty good i'm pretty proud of us all right we are we are awesome parents. Yes. We try. <laughs> so I think that's going to be the end of this episode. Um, I think we should definitely do another Q&A. I think so too. All my listeners out there, if you guys have questions, please reach out to us on our Possum University Instagram. That's at Possum University. And just send us a, a DM and tell us what you really want to know. 
And I would love to answer any questions that you guys have. And you could find us, like you said, Instagram at Possum University or on Instagram at Possum Mocks NJ. On Facebook, Possum Mocks NJ, Facebook, Possum University, and our private Facebook group for all of our training clients. And that's including you listening to this podcast, Possum University Alma Mater. Uh, if you want to get the invite to join Alma Mater, just send us a message on Instagram or Facebook. And we'll get you in there. This way you could ask questions for the next Q&A and stay up to date on the cool stuff that Jamie's putting out, like the enrichment video. Yes. Um, which we're going to have to do a follow-up episode because there's a lot of questions about that. A lot of questions. So there'll be a follow-up episode to the enrichment and there'll be more content coming in the future. Yes, but go check out Opal because she's really cool. She's really cute. Yeah. That's it. That's it for today. <laughs> All right, everybody. As always... Class dismissed.